Chapter Sixteen of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume One by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen: The Sick Nurse. Snatched by the Chourineur from a certain death and removed to the house in the Allée des Veuves, which had been reconnoitred by the Chouette previously to the attempt on it by the schoolmaster, Rodolph was placed in bed in a comfortably furnished apartment. A cheerful fire was burning on the hearth. A lamp placed on the neighbouring table diffused a strong clear light while the bed of rodolph shaded by thick curtains of green damask remained protected from the glare and in the shadow of its deep recess a negro of middle stature with white hair and eyebrows wearing an orange and green riband at the buttonhole of his blue coat sat by the bedside holding in his right hand a second's watch which he appeared to consult while counting with his left the beating of rodolph's pulse the expression of the negro's countenance was at once sad and pensive and he continued from time to time to gaze on the sleeping man with the most tender solicitude the chourineur clad in rags and soiled with mud stood motionless with folded arms at the foot of the bed his red beard was long and matted in disorder his thick bushy hair was tangled with mud and wet which still dripped from it while his hard bronzed features were marked by the most profound pity for the patient hardly venturing to breathe lest the heaving of his huge chest should disturb the invalid he awaited with the most intense anxiety the result of the doctor's observations on the sick man's state then as though to while away the fearful apprehension of an unfavourable opinion he continued to deliver his thoughts aloud after the following manner who would think now to see him lying there so helpless he could ever have been the man to give me such a precious drubbing as i got from him i dare say though he will soon be up again well and strong as ever don't you think so monsieur le docteur faith i only wish he could drum himself well upon my back i'd lend it him as long as he liked but perhaps that would shake him too much and over-fatigue him would it sir addressing the negro whose only reply was an impatient wave of the hand the chourineur was instantly silent the draught said the doctor the chourineur who had respectfully left his nailed shoes at the door at these words arose and walked towards the table indicated by the negro's finger going on the very top of his toes drawing up his legs extending his arms and swelling out his back and shoulders in a manner so ludicrous as under other circumstances would have been highly diverting the poor fellow seemed endeavouring to collect his whole weight so that no portion of it should touch the floor which in spite of his energetic efforts to prevent it groaned beneath his ponderous limbs as they moved towards the desired spot unfortunately between his over-anxiety to acquit himself well in his important mission and his fear of dropping the delicate pile he was bringing so over carefully he grasped the slight neck so tightly in his huge hand that it shivered to atoms and the precious liquid was expended on the carpet at the sight of this unfortunate mischance the chourineur remained in mute astonishment one of his huge legs in the air his toes nervously contracted and looking with a stupefied air alternately from the doctor to the fragments of the bottle and from that to the morsel his thumb and finger were yet tightly holding awkward devil exclaimed the negro impatiently yes that i am responded the chourineur as though grateful for the sound of a voice to break the frightful bewilderment of his ideas ah cried the esculapius observing the table attentively happily you took the wrong vial i wanted the other one what that little one with the red stuff inquired the unlucky sick-nurse in a low and humble tone 
of course i mean that why there is no other left the chourineur turning quickly around upon his heels after his old military fashion crushed the fragments of glass which lay on the carpet beneath his feet more delicate ones might have suffered severely from the circumstance but the ex debardeur had a pair of natural sandals hard as the hoofs of a horse have a care cried the physician you will hurt yourself to this caution the chourineur paid no attention but seemed wholly absorbed in so discharging his new mission as should effectually destroy all recollection of his late clumsiness it was really beautiful to behold the scrupulous delicacy and lightness of touch with which spreading out his two first fingers he seized the fragile crystal avoiding all use of the unlucky thumb whose undue pressure he rightly conceived had brought about his previous accident he kept so widely stretched from his forefinger that a butterfly might have passed between with outspread wings without losing one atom of its golden plumage the black doctor trembled lest all this caution should lead to a second misadventure but happily the file reached its destination in safety as the chourineur approached the bed he again smashed beneath his tread some of the fallen relics of the former potion the deuce take you man do you want to maim yourself for life lame myself asked the eager nurse why yes you keep walking upon glass as though you were trying for it oh bless you never mind that the soles of my feet are hard as iron must be something sharper than glass could hurt them a teaspoon said the doctor the chourineur recommenced his évolution sylphidique and returned with the article required after having swallowed a few spoonfuls of the mixture rodolph began to stir in his bed and faintly moved his hands good good he is recovering from his stupor said the doctor speaking to himself that bleeding has relieved him he is now out of danger saved bravo vive la charte exclaimed the chourineur in the full burst of his joy hold your tongue and pray be quiet said the negro in a tone of command to be sure i will monsieur le médecin his pulse is becoming regular very well indeed excellent and that poor friend of monsieur rodolph's body and bones of me when he comes to know that but then luckily silence i say certainly monsieur le docteur and sit down but monsieur le sit down i tell you you disturb me twisting and fidgeting about in that manner you distract my attention come sit down at once and keep still but doctor don't you perceive i am as dirty as a pile of floating wood just going to be unloaded all slime and wet you see i should spoil the furniture then sit down on the ground i should soil the carpet do what you like but for heaven's sake be quiet said the doctor in a tone of impatience then throwing himself into an armchair he leaned his head upon his clasped hands and appeared lost in deep reflection after a moment of profound meditation the chourineur less from any need he felt for repose than in obedience to the doctor's commands took a chair with the utmost precaution turned it upside down with an air of intense self-satisfaction at having at length devised a plan to act in strict conformity with the orders received and yet avoid all risk of soiling the silken cushion having laid the back on the ground he proceeded after all manner of delicate arrangements to take his seat on the outer rails but unhappily the chourineur was entirely ignorant of the laws of the lever and the equilibrium of bodies the chair overbalanced 
and the luckless individual seated thereon in endeavouring to save himself from falling by an involuntary movement caught hold of a small stand on which was a tray containing some tea-things at the formidable noise caused by so many falling articles clattering upon the head of the unfortunate cause of all this discord and havoc the doctor sprung from his seat while rodolph awaking with a start raised himself on his elbow looked about him with an anxious and perturbed glance then passing his hand over his brows as though trying to arrange his ideas he inquired where is murphy your royal highness need be under no apprehensions on his account answered the negro respectfully there is every hope of his recovery recovery he is then wounded unhappily my lord he is where is he let me see him and rodolph endeavoured to rise but fell back again overcome by weakness and the intense pain he felt from his many and severe contusions since i cannot walk cried he at length let me be instantly carried to murphy this moment my lord he sleeps at present it would be highly dangerous at this particular juncture to expose him to the slightest agitation you are deceiving me and he is dead he has been murdered and i i am the wretched cause of it cried rodolph in a tone of agony raising his clasped hands towards heaven my lord knows that his servant is incapable of falsehood i assert by my honour that although severely wounded murphy lives and that his chance of recovery is all but certain you say that but to prepare me for more disastrous tidings he lies doubtless wounded past all hope and he my faithful friend will die my lord yes you are seeking to deceive me till all is over but i will see him i will judge for myself the sight of a friend cannot be hurtful let me be instantly removed to his chamber once more my lord i pledge my solemn assurance that barring chances not likely to occur murphy will soon be convalescent my dear david may i indeed believe you you may indeed my lord hear me you know the high opinion i entertain of your ability and knowledge and that from the hour in which you were attached to my household you have possessed my most unbounded confidence never for one instant have i doubted your great skill and perfect acquaintance with your profession but i conjure you if a consultation be necessary my lord that would have been my first thought had i seen the slightest reason for such a step but up to the present moment it would be useless and unnecessary and besides i should be somewhat tenacious of introducing strangers into the house until i knew whether your orders of yesterday but how has all this happened said rodolph interrupting the black who saved me from drowning in that horrid cellar i have a confused recollection of having heard the chourineur's voice there was i mistaken not at all mistaken my lord but let the brave fellow to whom all praise is due relate the affair in which he was the principal actor himself where is he where is he the doctor looked about for the recently elected sick nurse and at length found him thoroughly silenced and shamed by his late tumble ensconced behind the curtains of the bed here he is said the doctor he looks somewhat shamefaced come forward my brave fellow said rodolph extending his hand to his preserver the confusion of the poor chourineur was still further increased from having when behind his curtain heard the black doctor address rodolph continually as my lord or your royal highness approach my friend my deliverer said rodolph and give me your hand i beg pardon sir i mean my lord no highness no 
Call me Monsieur Rodolphe as you used to do. I like it better. And so do I. It comes so much easier to one. But be so good as to excuse my hand. I have done so much work lately that— Your hand, I tell you, your hand. Overcome by this kind and persevering command, the chourineur timidly extended his black and horny palm, which Rodolphe warmly shook. Now, then, sit down and tell me all about it. How you discovered the cellar. But I think I can guess. The schoolmaster? We have him in safety, said the black doctor. Yes, he and the chouette, tied together like two rolls of tobacco. A pair of pretty creatures they look, as ever you would wish to see, and, I doubt not, sick enough of each other's company by this time. Ah, my poor Murphy! What a selfish wretch must I be to think only of myself! Where is he wounded, David? In the right side, my lord, but fortunately towards the lower false rib. Oh, I must have a deep and terrible revenge for this. David, I depend upon your assistance. My lord knows full well that I am wholly devoted to him, both body and soul, replied the negro coldly. But how, my noble fellow, were you able to arrive here in time? said Rodolph to the Chourineur. Why, if you please, my lord, no, sir, uh, highness, Rodolph, I had better begin by the beginning. Quite right, I am listening, go on, but mind you are only to call me Monsieur Rodolphe. Very well. You know that last night you told me, after you returned from the country where you had gone with poor Goualeuse. Try and find the schoolmaster in the Cité. Tell him you know of a capital put-up, that you have refused to join it, but that if he will take your place he has only to be to-morrow, that's to-day, at the barrier of Bercy at the Panier Fleury, and there he will see the man who has made the plant, qui a nourri le poupard. Well? On leaving you I pushed on briskly for the Cité. I goes to the ogresses, no schoolmaster, then to the rue Saint-Éloi, on to the rue aux Fèves, then to the rue de la Vieille Draperie. Couldn't find my man. At last I stumbled upon him in that old devil-skin chouette in the front of Notre-Dame at the shop of a tailor, who is a fence and thief. Note 8. Fence. Receiver of stolen goods. They were sporting the blunt which they had prigged from the tall gentleman in black who wanted to do something to you. They bought themselves some toggery. The chouette bargained for a red shawl, an old monster. I told my tale to the schoolmaster, and he snapped at it, and said he would be at the rendezvous accordingly. So far, so good. This morning, according to your orders, I ran here to bring you the answer. You said to me, my lad, return to-morrow before daybreak. You must pass the day in the house, and in the evening you will see something which will be worth seeing. You did not let out more than that, but I was fly and said to myself, this is a dodge to catch the schoolmaster to-morrow by laying a right bait for him. He is a blank scoundrel. He murdered the cattle dealer, and as they say, another person besides in the Rue du Roule. I see all about it. My mistake was not to have told you all, my good fellow. Then this horrible result would not have occurred. That was your affair, Monsieur Rodolphe. All that concerned me was to serve you. For truth to say, I don't know how or why, but as I have told you before, I feel as if I were your bulldog. But that's enough. I said then, Monsieur Rodolphe pays me for my time, so my time is his, and I will employ it for him. Then an idea strikes me. The schoolmaster is cunning, 
he may suspect a trap monsieur rodolph will propose to him the job for to-morrow it is true but the downy cove is likely enough to come to-day and lurk about and reconnoitre the ground and if he is suspicious of monsieur rodolph he will bring some other cracksman robber with him and do the trick on his own account to prevent this i said to myself i must go and plant myself somewhere where i may get a view of the walls the garden gate there is no other entrance if i find a snug corner as it rains i will remain there all day perhaps all night and to-morrow morning i shall be all right and ready to go to m rodolph's so i goes to the allee des veuves to place myself and what should i see but a small tavern not ten paces from your door i entered and took my seat near the window in a room on the ground floor i called for a quart of drink and a quart of nuts saying i expected some friends a humpbacked man and a tall woman i chose them because it would appear more natural i was very comfortably seated and kept my eye on the door it rained cats and dogs no one passed night came on but interrupted rodolph why did you not go at once to my house you told me to come the next morning monsieur rodolph and i didn't dare return there sooner i should have looked like an intruder a sneak brosseur as the troopers call it you understand well there i was at the window of the wine-shop cracking my nuts and drinking my liquor when through the fog i saw the chouette approach accompanied by bras rouge's brat little tortillard aha said i to myself now the farce begins well the little hound of a child hid himself in one of the ditches of the allee and was evidently on the lookout as for that blank the chouette she takes off her bonnet puts it into her pocket and rings the gate bell our poor friend monsieur murphy opens the door and the one-eyed mother of mischief tosses up her arms and makes her way into the garden i could have kicked myself for not being able to make out what the chouette was up to at last out she comes puts on her bonnet says two words to tortillard who returns to his hole and then cuts her stick i say to myself caution no blunder now tortillard has come with the chouette then the schoolmaster and m rodolph are at bras rouge's the chouette has come out to reconnoitre about the house then sure as a gun they'll try it on this very night if they do m rodolph who believes they will not go to work till to-morrow is quite overreached and if he is overreached i ought to go to bras rouge's and see for him true but then suppose that the schoolmaster arrives in the meantime that's to be thought of suppose i go to the house and see m murphy mind your eye that urchin tortillard is near the door he will hear me ring the bell see me and give the word to the chouette and if she returns that will spoil all and the more particularly as perhaps m rodolph has after all made his arrangements for his evening confound it these yes and no bothered my brain tremendously i was quite bewildered and saw nothing clear before me i didn't know what to do for the best so i said i'll walk out and perhaps the clear air will brighten my thoughts a bit i went out and the open air cleared my brain so i took off my blouse and my neck handkerchief i went to the ditch where tortillard lay and taking the young devil's skin by the cuff of his neck how he did wriggle and twist and scuffle and scratch 
i put him into my blouse tied up one end with the sleeves and the bottom tightly with my cravat he could breathe very well well then i took the bundle under my arm and passing a low damp garden surrounded by a little wall i threw the brat tortillard into the midst of a cabbage bed he squeaked like a sucking pig but nobody could hear him two steps off i cut off it was time i climbed up one of the high trees in the allée just in front of your door and over the ditch in which tortillard had been stationed ten minutes afterwards i heard footsteps it was raining still and the night was very dark i listened it was the chouette tortillard tortillard says she in a low voice it rains and the little brat is tired of waiting said the schoolmaster swearing if i catch him i'll skin him alive fourline take care replied the chouette perhaps he has gone to warn us of something that has happened maybe some trap for us the young fellow would not make the attempt till ten o'clock that's the very reason replies the schoolmaster it is now only seven o'clock you saw the money nothing venture nothing have give me the ripping chisel and the jemmy what instruments are they asked rodolph they came from Rouge's. oh he has a well-furnished house in a crack the door is opened stay where you are said the schoolmaster to the chouette keep a bright lookout and give me the signal if you hear anything put your pinking iron in the buttonhole of your waistcoat that you may have it handy said the old hag the schoolmaster entered the garden and i instantly coming down from the tree fell on the chouette i silenced her with two blows of my fist my new style and she fell without a word i ran into the garden but thunder and lightning monsieur rodolph it was too late poor murphy he was struggling on the ground with the schoolmaster at the entrance and although wounded he held his voice and made no cry for help excellent man he is like a good dog bites but doesn't bark well i went bang heads or tails at it hitting the schoolmaster on the shoulder which was the only place i could at the moment touch vive la charte it's i the chourineur shouts monsieur murphy ah villain where do you come from cries out the schoolmaster quite off his guard at that what's that to you says i fixing one of his legs between my knees and grasping his fin with my other hand it was that in which he held his dagger and monsieur rodolph asked monsieur murphy of me whilst doing all in his power to aid me worthy kind-hearted creature murmured rodolph in a tone of deep distress i know nothing of him says i this scoundrel perhaps has killed him and then i went with redoubled strength at the schoolmaster who tried to stick me with his larding-pin but i lay with my breast on his arm and so he only had his fist at liberty you are then quite alone says i to monsieur murphy whilst we still struggled desperately with the schoolmaster there are people close at hand he replied but they did not hear me cry out is it far off they would be here in ten minutes let us call out for help there are passers-by who will come and help us no as we have got him we must hold him here but i am growing weak i am wounded thunder and lightning then run and get assistance if you have strength left i will try and hold him monsieur murphy then disengaged himself and i was alone with the schoolmaster i don't want to brag but my jove 
these were moments when i was not having a holiday we were half on the ground half on the bottom step of the flight i had my arms around the neck of the villain my cheek against his cheek and he was puffing like a bull i heard his teeth grind it was dark it rained pouring the lamp left in the passage lighted us a little i had twisted one of my legs round his but in spite of that his loins were so powerful that he moved himself and me on to the bare ground he tried to bite me but couldn't i never felt so strong thunder my heart beat but it was in the right place i said i am like a man who is grappling with a mad dog to prevent him from fastening on some passer-by let me go and i will do you no harm said the schoolmaster in an exhausted voice what a coward says i to him so then your pluck is in your strength so you wouldn't have stabbed the cattle-dealer at poissy and robbed him if he had only been as strong as me eh no says he but i will kill you as i did him and saying that he made so violent a heave and gave so powerful a jerk with his legs at the same time that he half threw me over if i had not kept a tight hold of his wrist which held a stiletto i was done for at this moment my left hand was seized with a cramp and i was compelled to loosen my hold that nearly spoiled all and i said to myself i am now undermost and he at top he'll kill me never mind i had rather be in my place than his monsieur rodolph said that i had heart and honour i felt it was all over with me and at that moment i saw the chouette standing close by us with her glaring eye and red shawl thunder and lightning i thought i had the nightmare finette cries the schoolmaster i have let fall the knife pick it up there there under him and strike him home in the back between the shoulders quick quick only wait only wait till i find it till i see it full in and then the cursed chouette turned and poked about us like an old bird of mischief as she was at last she found the dagger and sprung towards it but as i was flat on my belly i gave her a kick in the stomach which sent her neck over crop she got up and in a desperate rage i could do no more i still held on and struggled with the schoolmaster but he kept giving me such dreadful blows on my jaw that i was about to let go my hold when i saw three or four armed men who came down the stairs and monsieur murphy pale as ashes and with difficulty supporting himself with the assistance of the doctor here they seized hold of the schoolmaster and the chouette and soon bound them hand and foot that was not all i still wanted monsieur rodolph i sprang at the chouette remembering the tooth of the poor dear goualeuse i grasped her arm and twisted it saying where is monsieur rodolph she bore it well and silently i took a second turn and then she screeched out at bras rouge's in the vault at the bleeding heart all right as i went i meant to take tortillard from his cabbage bed as it was on my road i looked for him but only found my blouse he had gnawed his way out with his teeth i reached the bleeding heart and i laid hold of bras rouge where is the young man who came here this evening with the schoolmaster don't squeeze so hard and i'll tell you they wanted to play him a trick and shut him up in my cellar we'll go now and let him out we went down but there was no one to be seen he must have gone out whilst my back was turned says bras rouge you see plain enough he is not here 
i was going away sad enough when by the light of the lantern i saw at the bottom of the cellar another door i ran towards it and opened the door and had as it were a pail of water thrown at me i saw your two poor arms in the air i fished you out and brought you here on my back as there was nobody at hand to get a coach that's all my tale monsieur rodolph and i may say without bragging that i am satisfied with myself my man i owe my life to you it is a heavy debt but be assured i will pay it david will you go and learn how murphy is added rodolph and return again instantly the black went out where is the schoolmaster my good fellow in another room with the chouette you will send for the police monsieur rodolph no you surely will not let him go ah monsieur rodolph none of that nonsensical generosity i say again he is a mad dog let the passengers look out he will never bite again be assured then you are going to shut him up somewhere no in half an hour he will leave this house the schoolmaster yes without gendarme yes he will go out from here and free free and quite alone quite alone but he will go wherever he likes said rodolph interrupting the chourineur with a meaning smile the black returned well david well and how is murphy he sleeps my lord said the doctor despondingly his respiration is very difficult not out of danger his case is very critical my lord yet there is hope oh murphy vengeance vengeance exclaimed rodolph in a tone of concentrated rage then he added david a word and he whispered something in the ear of the black he started back do you hesitate said rodolph yet i have often suggested this idea to you the moment is come to put it into practice i do not hesitate my lord the suggestion is well worthy the consideration of the most elevated jurists for this punishment is at the same time terrible and yet fruitful for repentance in this case it is most applicable without enumerating the crimes which have accumulated to send this wretch to the bang for his life he has committed three murders the cattle dealer murphy and yourself it is in his case justice he will have before him an unlimited horizon for expiation added rodolph after a moment's silence he resumed and five thousand francs will suffice david amply my lord my good fellow said rodolph to the bewildered chourineur i have two words to say to monsieur david will you go into that chamber on the other side where you will see a large red pocket-book on a bureau open it and take out five notes of a thousand francs each and bring them to me and inquired the chourineur involuntarily who are those five thousand francs for for the schoolmaster and do you at the same time tell them to bring him in here End of chapter sixteen